Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Tuesday, June 20th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. We take a closer look at yesterday's by-election results. I'd say overall about all these by-elections is the more interesting thing is what happens after they're over and what what echoes they've left. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says hers is not the only province fed up with interference from the federal government. Going to Whistler on uh, Monday, Tuesday, for our, our Western Premier's Conference meeting. I'll be going to the Council of the Federation in Winnipeg in mid-July. And these are the issues that are on the table is how can we form a, a coalition of like-minded premiers to, to push back against this federal interference. So you, you may see more of that kind of collaboration. I'm now joined by Susan Delacourt, a columnist with the Toronto Star. And we were just doing a little bit of a chit chat before I pressed record and I said, Okay, Susan, which by-election do you want to start with? And I said, I know which one I want to start with. Which one do you want to start with? And of course, we both said Portage. So, okay, we have the results of the by-elections. And let's start with Portage, because that was supposed to be the most dramatic. Well, what do you make of it, Susan? Well, it uh, it was dramatic. Um, I think I'd say overall about all these by-elections is the more interesting thing is what happens after they're over and what what echoes they've left so the conservatives won with uh 64 percent right which is pretty good yeah and they wanted there there was a goal there to reduce maxime bernier well they wanted to crush maxime bernier exactly They, they didn't crush him no they he he got 20 something percent in the uh 22 percent in uh in the last election yeah uh and he got 17 percent in this one right so they dented him they dented him yeah he's slightly rumpled but he is not gone uh and i i heard him saying uh last night that uh he's stronger than ever which is what you would say but uh maxine he's not quite stronger than ever so we'll just tell him that but that's right he's not dead yes but this was a really interesting uh, election campaign because of the way the Conservatives fought it. And they would say they they felt they had to fight it against Maxime Bernier in a campaign that would not be the kind they could wage in Ontario. Uh, over the weekend, official Conservative, an official Conservative mail-out was making fun of Maxime Bernier for participating in pride parades. Right, right. They the the candidate Brandon uh-huh. Leslie, uh-huh. future MP Brandon Leslie, is on the record uh, against the World Economic Forum and uh, against the ban on conversion therapy, which the Conservatives voted in favor of uh, not too long ago. Yeah, that passed in the House in twenty twenty one, I think, and the Conservatives all backed that ban. Yes, it was a, it was a moment. Right. So it, this is an interesting how Brandon Leslie fits into a conservative caucus that is not all of one mind about the way he campaigned. Right. No, it would a uh, very openly uh, gay candidate, uh, a gay MP, Melissa Lanceman. I keep wondering what she would have thought of the stuff that went out over or the weekend. Eric, or Eric Duncan, who's right, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and is in Poilievre's caucus. And they, the Conservatives have put out um, 
pretty homophobic stuff over the weekend right. uh, on, on a, the official letterhead of the Conservative Party. So uh, that, I, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll settle that behind closed doors. But I do think uh, the story in this by-election is, is, is the Conservative base more of a problem than an asset to Pierre Polyev? Is it going to limit him in uh, in his ability to to get um, to make inroads where they need to make inroads, which is in Ontario and Quebec? And some of the way they fought this campaign mm-hmm. is just not not uh, retail politics in Ontario and Quebec. Well, so it's interesting. So he won't have Maxime Bernier sitting in the house calling him a fake conservative every day. No, but no. he will have Brandon Leslie sitting right behind him, who's brought up all sorts of stuff that could be uh, problematic. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the conservatives have been able to manage this kind of thing um, internally. But it I, I think there was one commentator this morning on Twitter saying the liberals accumulated so much campaign material from from these uh, by-elections to to remind the Conservatives of in a future election campaign. Right. And you just know they have their war chest stuffed full of it, right? That's that's right. Yeah. So, okay. So that was a very interesting uh, election. And I don't know what that means for Maxime Bernier's future, but like you say, he's wounded, but he's not dead. Yeah. Um, so which writing do you want to take on next? Well, why don't we stay in Manitoba and talk about okay. what uh, the... Uh, Winnipeg South Center, yeah, which is was Jim Carr's riding exactly, um, and his son Ben Carr, who I think I don't know if you met him too, but he was very much around at the convention. Yes, uh, a couple yes. weeks ago, I, I met him. Yeah, yeah, I nice saw guy. I saw him from a distance. Yeah, he seems to be a lot taller than his father. True. Yes. But uh, yeah. yeah, but here he's going to, and he's got that seat now, and he increased the margin. He. Yeah. Um, yeah. His father won with 45% in yeah, that tough that's election. Right. Yeah. And uh he won with 55%. So Exactly. Uh conservatives were at 23. I went back and looked at I compared these results to 2015 as well. Well, um, you would. You would do that. Yeah. <laughs> um waking up his, at 3 a.m. you would do that. Yeah. <laughs> his uh his father won with 59%. So he in 2015, which was a great year for the Liberals. Yeah. And the Conservatives were uh, defeated with 28% in 2015. So these are 2015-like results for the Liberals in Winnipeg South Centre, which is why you see Liberals smiling today. Because yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. you know, if you want to do numbers, right? So Jim Carr, the last election, election sometimes I don't like percentages too much, although that's the way you do it. But he won by 8,648 votes, his dad in the last election. And he and Ben won by 14,278 votes. So he really did well. So, and, and this is a time when, you know, conservatives are saying if there's been any time to knock off Justin Trudeau, this yeah. is it because how badly he's doing. I think this may show us, which you and I know very well, there is a gap between the kind of com- political conversation that's held on Parliament Hill and the kind out there and um, out there in the, you know, in the, the real, real world. world. Right. Yes. And especially and, this conservative here, the, his nearest competition, uh, whereas Ben 23, got, 
23 yeah. exactly yeah. versus his ben's 55 percent. yeah yeah so that's interesting and uh and kind of you know in a human way nice to see that uh jim carr's son gets to complete what jim carr jim carr was very well liked yeah uh, for those who um don't very well liked uh beyond just uh his own party he was very much a bridge builder yeah. a funny guy he had yeah. been a journalist in a past life um a really interesting guy and so i i'm sure somewhere jim carr is smiling that his his son uh has taken up his job yeah no no that's a, that's a very uh, interesting writing especially since they had something like 48 candidates as protest candidates that's but, right uh, yeah. but they only they didn't get any percentage of the vote it was really a fight between the liberal conservatives and ndp but anyway so that's it yeah. um so now which one do you want to do oxford okay let's, let's go to uh, oxford oxford yeah. fascinating again new yeah. mp is arpen canna yeah conservative um, yeah i again compared the results to last time and then to 2015 yeah um the results sort of are almost identical yeah. to 2015 which is interesting yeah but um it's the liberal vote share that went up and the interesting part of that and this I don't know that this riding is very typical, though, uh, because of the mess that happened down there. Dan McKenzie, yeah. the the retiring MP, had yeah. wanted his daughter to be the candidate, you know, yeah. again, keeping up the family thing. Yeah. And uh, that was rejected. And uh, Arpen Canna, uh, uh, a more sort of red meat conservative, um, closer to Polyev, was, uh, was installed as the candidate. And Dan McKenzie then um endorsed the liberal that's right so yeah. so we had an, an, an interesting race down there where some conservative vote not enough to help the liberals win but enough to make it interesting went over to the liberals and again this is at a time when if if all you heard on parliament hill was that justin trudeau and his liberals are dead and, yeah. or in trouble yeah and the conservatives are surging that did not play out in Oxford. That did right. definitely did not. It is the, the results are eerily comparable to 2015 when Justin Trudeau sort of swept with, in with the majority. So, um, yeah. So, for, yeah. When you look at those, I, I think it's Dave McKenzie. Not that I ever correct. Oh, you, sorry. Yeah. Because Dave, you are me, not yes. to be corrected, but <laughs> no, no, anyway, I'm always corrected. No, no. But I, I, I remember Dave McKenzie. I've interviewed him many times. Nice guy. So. But, you know, he was saying it was a very nasty, nasty fight. But the fact that he he supported the liberal now, here he is a conservative, and that liberal got 36% of the vote versus the 43% Arpen Canada, the winner, got. So his supporting the liberals must have made a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah. And we saw Christopher Freeland went down there last week yeah. to campaign in the by-election as well. So the liberals, uh, the liberals... I, I know this for a fact because they've told me, but I'm sure the conservatives do too. Liberals use by-elections to test out things. To right. um, They've won the past two elections with micro-targeting and very precise data and moving resources around. And they were moving resources around to go down to Oxford. So right. they, were, they were up to something there. And we're going to see that, you know, whatever was working for them in Oxford did, Hmm. expect to see that again too this oh. is what the theme of this 
by-election is it's not the results that count it's the aftermath you know so. right right exactly so um so now we have one writing left and that is mark garno's old writing that he held for a long time notre dame de grasse westmount so what happened there safe the one of the safest liberal writings in the country yeah and anna ganey the former liberal party president uh won with a, a reduced margin yeah. slightly reduced yeah from mark garno yeah very much reduced from 2015 right but still she's the mp for um the interesting thing about anna ganey is she's not just um She's married to Tom Pitfield. Yeah, uh, Michael Pitfield's son, yeah. And Justin Trudeau's data guy. The guy right. who has helped Justin Trudeau win all those elections. Right. Um, very, very smart guy. And um, Anna Ganey and Tom Pitfield are also uh, very close friends of the Trudeaus. Um, when I was writing an ebook on Trudeau uh, many years ago now, uh, Anna Ganey got in touch with me and said she would be the one facilitating the interviews with the family and all of that. Oh, she is right. So well, they go on, on vacations together. Aga Khan's Island, but let's not go that's there. Right. Yep, that's yep, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so with what again, the aftermath is going to be interesting because I've heard muttering from liberals about this. If she goes into cabinet, uh -oh. as some people expect. Yes. Watch for the bad reaction among liberals. You know, who yeah, will they say, won't like that. Nope, not at all. No. Um, I've already heard it and yeah. uh, they'll be watching for it. So um, the rumor is that because she's a good friend of Justin Trudeau, she's yeah. going into cabinet. Right. Uh, the rumor also is if that goes, expect, I have this joke that I tell is, what do you call a liberal who didn't get into cabinet? Anonymous sources. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, uh, I mean, you know, he does put very competent people i guess you could argue in his cabinet but they're also friends like seamus o'regan right. and mark um, miller these are good, right. good friends and yep. so he might feel compelled to put her in but like you say there could be a bit of a backlash much I, and I, he's at got this a point, lot but... of cabinet material from from montreal like he he's yep. in there plus he's got mark miller plus i'd have to think about it but it's not like oh my god i need to stick somebody in cabinet from the montreal area yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is that will be, again, the aftermath of this election is more interesting than the election itself. The, the wow. Result. Well, this was fun. I didn't know I'd be looking at charts and numbers <laughs> after 6 a.m. But uh, yeah. So, OK, so let's let's uh, let's uh, move on from that, because uh, obviously there'll be some happy people. The liberals got what they wanted. The conservatives got what they wanted. Oh, just a, a little quick mention, because. In the um, Notre Dame de Grasse, in that riding, the co-party, the Green Party leader, Jonathan Pegnot was running in that. So I guess it's worth just to mention that he got 13% of the vote. And I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever, but they were all really gunning for the Anglophones that were upset about the changes to uh, the language law, right? That they felt undermined their rights. So It um, didn't. Uh, it, he He did about as well as the NDP and the conservatives did there. So, right, right. Um, so I don't know. It looks how they'll, like, they'll yeah, the opposition that. just sort of scattered. Right. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk briefly about Danielle Smith, Alberta premier. She met with the natural resources minister, Jonathan Wilkinson and Dominic LeBlanc yesterday. 
And this is all about the government trying to make its pitch about transitioning from oil oil jobs to energy jobs. And um, was that a fun meeting or? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they arrived there with gifts. I, I I don't have the exact figures. We talked way too much about numbers already this morning yeah. anyway, but um, they did arrive with uh, a gift for Calgary, yes. uh, which is uh, money to help transition their transit system to electric. Right. It was 300 and something million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the, the federal government made no secret of what it was out there to do was to talk about, uh, you know, uh, transition. Yeah. Uh, the transition economy. Danielle Smith also made no secret of the fact that she was there to say no to that kind of thing, that whatever the federal government's plans are on that, she's yeah. there to stand in their way. Right. She's not saying, she's not saying no transition to a new economy and, yeah. and a greener economy. She's just saying, we don't accept the federal government's timeline on this. It's too fast for us. Way too fast. That's right. Um, What's been happening, though, it looks like, and again, they were, they were pretty quiet after the meetings. Um, what I'm told is that there's a very different tone in public and private between Alberta and Ottawa. They do a lot of yelling at each other in public. Yeah. And then when they get behind the scenes, they actually have a real conversation. And yeah. The Prime Minister is increasingly using Dominic LeBlanc to handle tough things. You know, like every yeah. time there's something tough, Dominic LeBlanc is there to He's like a fixer. It. He's a fixer. That's right. Yeah. And he's also charming and funny. Yeah. And he's sent in to deal with Danielle Smith to smooth over things. So I noticed she was calling it constructive, which may right. mean that a lot of the things that she's saying are, as this, this government has experienced, what she tells people is... Um, I'm going to stand up for Alberta, but behind the scenes, I'm going to be constructive. And I think I, she she's making noises like she wants the provinces to be like the famous McLean's magazine cover. Exactly. The, re, the resistance. Yes. And they are meeting. Uh, the Western yeah. premiers are meeting soon, right? In Whistler, um, she said they're going to Whistler on. No, she's going to Whistler on Monday and Tuesday for the Western premiers. Yeah. And then mid-July, there's yep. the Council, Council of, of the Fed Federation yep. in Manitoba. Yep. And uh, that's where you're going to see what kind of a premier Danielle Smith wants to portray herself as. Does she want to be standing on the cover of McLean's magazine being the resistance to Justin Trudeau? Or does she want to do something a little differently? We talked about this after her election. She's yeah. She campaigned for the leadership in a very different way than she campaign to be elected premier so that's uh i guess i'm not sure what when she was behind the scenes yesterday yeah. with with the federal government but certainly she came out talking like the well yeah i'm looking at her comments and she's saying that when she goes to this council of the federation meeting in in mid-july I, I heard her news conference yesterday <clears throat> before her meeting with the ottawa folks and she said, you know, she wants to form a coalition of like-minded premiers to push back against the federal interference. So yeah. she doesn't say, yeah, she's going to get, I'm going to get my posse together and make your life miserable. So that doesn't sound like that much cooperation, but who knows? 
I think this is a this is a very different story when they get behind the scenes. Yeah, possible. But let's just pivot off that for a minute because then we have to wrap up. And so Justin Trudeau could get pummeled by Daniel Smith and all the premiers, but who loves him? Brian Mulroney. <laughs> this is this is so interesting. Um, I you'll remember that a long, long time ago, um, Brian Mulroney sort of forecast the Trudeau mania. And right. I remember he had the, yeah. the what's not to like, I think was yes. his famous quote about him. Yeah. And then when Trudeau was facing the existential threat of Donald Trump, yeah. he brought Mulroney in as an advisor. Right. And right. he came came to cabinet, you know, again. Right. The idea of a Mulroney and a Trudeau in the same room is Can you imagine? Yeah. Yes. But they are, they they do. And Brian Mulroney has been ill. He's better now, thank yeah. goodness. And prostate uh, cancer, yeah. So the two of them were uh, yesterday at the Brian Mulroney Center at uh, St. FX. Yeah. And uh, there was Brian Mulroney. Gushing. Lavishing praise over Justin Trudeau. Never mind the trash and the rumors on Parliament Hill and the nonsense, he said. Yeah. Uh, and and spoke about him as like an elder statesman, you know, who had managed Trump and yep. had managed the pandemic. Um, yep. So yeah, that was interesting. I there not long after Polyev, like within days after Polyev was named leader, Brian Mulroney did meet with him. Remember on Parliament Hill? He yeah, was but he combed his hair a bit. He said, You better get your act together, buddy. Like he didn't say yeah. it quite like that, but it was basically yeah he kind of chided him a little bit in some way, like you've got to tone it down or do something or you want a big tent or it wasn't all big huggy kissy no. feely. No. And that praise though, for, um, yeah, for Trudeau, that was another way of saying probably have to get your act together. Absolutely. And when you think yeah. of it back in the Harper days, when there was a fatwa on Mulroney, yeah. remember, yes. no one was allowed to talk to him in the, in the conservative party. Yep. Uh, even his old buddy Marjorie LeBreton, I guess, followed that rule yep. <clears throat> um, because of the whole Carl Heinz Schreiber thing. And uh, but that's a different form of conservatives versus the Brian Mulroney conservatives. Right. That's right. And Brian Mulroney, I think he may have even said last night, according to Tonda's article, I think he said, you know, my family supported you. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like it's, he, he is not a conservative of the ilk of Pierre Polyev. No. And that's going to be, you know, that's again, to sift back to what we spent most of the time yeah, talking about yeah, this morning. Yeah. These by-elections are interesting. Yeah. What, it, it, they're a story about the conservative base and whether that is an asset or a liability to Polyev. Yeah. And that's, um, Brian Mulroney was saying that base, that the way you fought, basically the way you're fighting uh, against Trudeau right now is turning as many people off as it's turning people on. Right. So, Susan, I'm looking at my clock here thinking, you know, I got to pull the cane out and end right. this. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I think this is our last chat. But I was wondering if, you know, if I showed up like in your back little backyard there, but, you know, just after six, would you have a coffee with me and we could yak? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> OK, listen, I'll talk to you soon and okay. uh, have a great day, Susan. OK, you too. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We must strive to inspire and be careful not to incite. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. 
In the Hill Times, Michael Harris argues it's time for politicians to adopt a higher standard. He writes, the Conservative Party and its leaders seem transfixed by what happened in the United States in 2016. Donald Trump proved that it is possible to lie and slander your way into the White House. He handed his Canadian political cousins the bully blueprint to power. The Washington Post motto, democracy dies in darkness, is only part of the story. Democracy also dies in deceit. When people seek the top political job of running a country, they have every right to criticize and hold to account the government of the day, but they don't have the right to carry hyperbole into a much darker place. No one should confuse lying about your opponent's alleged sins and misdemeanors with holding them to account, at least not in a democracy. In The Writ, Eric Grenier makes the case for regularly scheduled by-elections. He writes, here's the pitch. By-elections should be held once a year on the third Monday of October, aligning them with the general elections that are also held on the third Monday of October, four years after the last general election. That would remove the partisan advantage governments have in being able to set the date of by-elections. That predictability would also make for easier planning for Elections Canada and hiring staff and identifying locations for polling stations. But the main reason is that it just might help make by-elections more interesting. And interesting elections are what can get people engaged in politics. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the unveiling ceremony for the location of the Residential School National Monument on Parliament Hill, along with Governor-General Mary Simon, Canadian Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez, and Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller. The Prime Minister will also chair the Cabinet meeting and attend question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Toronto in private meetings. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak with the media before attending question period. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 20th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.